0: This episode of the Panoramic Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Pit Barrel Cookers. They are a stand-up drum cooker, and they are very unique and very easy to use, and they bring just phenomenal flavor into your household in a very simple way. Uh, Pit Barrel Cookers have been a a massive supporter of uh, our podcast here, And If you're interested in getting yourself into Pit Barrel Cooker, go to pitbarrelcooker.com and it's free shipping down south for folks south of the border and up here north of the border. Check out their map on their website and you can find a retailer in Canada. That's pitbarrelcookers.com. Alright, welcome to episode 74 of the Panoramic Outdoors podcast here today. Uh, On the podcast, we're going to be speaking with Jenny Anderson from Minnesota, and you might know her as Girl of 10,000 Lakes, and we have some great conversations with Jenny coming up here, but to start off our intro tonight, uh, I have Sheldon on the other line on the other end here. He's over in Brandon, Manitoba right now, and uh, Sheldon, what's going on, buddy?
1: Man, I'm feeling it tonight. I got a new mic, finally, a new headset, finally, a new computer, finally. So I'm just like ready to rock. I'm ready to do some podcasting, ready to do some intros. Um, but yeah, other than that, I've been just, you know, doing what I do do best. Uh, go to work every day and pay my taxes.
0: <laughs> you were uh, picking up the, uh, the plumber trade there for for a little bit this week obviously um some pretty cool temperatures are away this week coldest of the years the year so far or the winter i guess so uh, yeah. i know you and tristan both had issues this week so it's knock on wood my way that uh stuff stays thawed out here
1: have you had plumbing issues with this carnivore diet you're on or is it pretty uh pretty normal like you're eating fiber <laughs> every day
0: <laughs> no fiber here lots of cheese so that'll give you a little uh, insight into the plumbing issues here but uh um what
1: is, so what is it, like i've heard carnivore diet on rogan and a bunch of other shit but like what it, basically it's all meat clearly carnivore it's all meat but like what else can you eat other than meat or is it just like meat products
0: uh you know there's like a few different tiers of it and the the like top tier of the carnivore diet is like All you eat is beef products pretty much. And you eat beef, you drink water, and you have salt and that's it. Um that's not what I'm on. Um I'm more of like a broader animal based uh diet. So um I'm still eating like seafood, chicken, uh cheese, um kind of stuff like that. Uh I got mixed in the odd avocado, so that's Like drops me down to like tier three kind of thing where you're mixing in the odd plant, but for the first month here, I'm trying to be pretty strict on on what's going into my body, and um, what it is is like a a really like anti-inflammatory diet. You cutting out cutting out all the junk, and you're cutting out all the the other like fruits and vegetables and stuff. And I'm not dissing fruits and vegetables because I certainly love them, but i found when I was on the like paleo style diet. I was still like Sneaking in the odd donut and stuff and cookies and and I was having a tough time I still had tons of cravings when I was on that diet. So um, I said screw it I always want to try out this carnivore diet. So Jody kind of said, you know, well now is a good time to do it because we're kind of still isolated here and you know, you don't have much for uh, you're not going out anywhere and you don't have the pressures of, of uh, the public on you. So I said, sure, yeah, let's do it. And it's been pretty good so far. The, the cravings have been absolutely minimal. Um, I've been a little bit tired at the end of the days. And I'm hoping that goes away in a couple days here. I did some research on it. It seems to be everyone kind of goes through it. But the energy levels are great uh, the rest of the time. Very steady. You don't get those big crashes like you do on... Uh, When you're on like a regular carb-filled diet and uh, Inflammation-wise man, I'm feeling good. I've always had issues with my hands um, Because I damaged like my my knuckles and stuff when I was in high school Playing sports and they're always sore especially in these like colder temperatures It's almost like arthritis. Although I've never really been diagnosed with arthritis All I know is that they hurt a lot of the time and I haven't had that issue since I started on this diet so I'm um, pretty pumped about that feeling good haven't felt bloated since I've been on this diet tried to quit coffee two days ago I'm back on the coffee <laughs> wow
1: well that was like that was like a life story on this diet that was a big I breakdown know uh, how it was going,
0: it was going. I, had to break, break. I had to back it up with some some of my uh experiences how about you how's your diet going there
1: oh it's all right I don't even want to talk about it because I fucking hate it, but um, it definitely gives me a lot more energy, and the thing that I find the most relaxing in the whole world, which I, you know, it took me a few weeks to kind of get there, but, like, when it's 9, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, and I'm ready to go to bed, I'm going to bed. Like, I'm, I'm done for the day, and, like, before when you're eating shit and whatever, like, at supper time or, you know, carbs or whatever, it seems like sometimes it's really hard to fall asleep. I haven't had problems sleeping in um like three weeks now so that's a really good benefit for me and i really enjoy that part of it um and of course like eating meats and the cheeses and stuff is great i'm doing like kind of more of a keto but i i i, cra- I still crave like a piece of garlic bread like i've said i think in every <laughs> every episode now but the funny thing was is i went uh camping with josh and we were talking about it because he's kind of been cutting back on some of his carbs and and uh, he kind of has the same, like, kind of the same feedback that I just gave. Is like, uh, he feels really good. He doesn't feel like, like you said, doesn't feel bloated. You know, getting good sleep, etc. So, having a healthy diet obviously is very, very key to uh, to feeling good. But
0: yeah, I was, um, I was kind of sliding off the edge there towards uh, the last couple months. There, just indulging in whatever was in my face and like eating multiple donuts a day and kind of thing so it was time to get cleaned up a little bit on my end so i want to talk about this uh winter camping thing a little bit more that you just mentioned um you want to talk about the setup a little bit
1: yeah for sure
0: so i'll just kind of like break it down to you uh
1: we decided to go winter camping on the weekend and we got this new tent by citizen canvas a new stove by g stove is it called g stove
0: yeah it's called called, yeah g
1: stove xl yeah no, I know, but the company, it's called Just G Stove, right? Yeah. Yeah, so the so the tent and the stove, uh, we finally got everything together. We got the piping. We got basically everything to get out and go out camping. So what I did, and this is like a little tip or trick, is that I found a spot, or actually Josh found it, and he's like, man, this spot is beautiful, and I've been there before. It's called Jackson Lake, which is by Austin. I've been there before, but I've just kind of forgot about it, to be honest. I didn't know much about it. Um, so josh kind of told me about yeah let's try this place out it's kind of in the middle between winnipeg and brandon and yeah absolutely but the thing is my tip here is that if you're going to go winter camping and you decide to go to a campground i think it's a very good idea to give try to find out who owns it first of all and then give a call to them to make sure you're allowed to be there um a lot of campgrounds in manitoba are privately owned or provincially owned or some of them are owned by you know the rm or the municipality so they might have some you know um maybe some rules or regulations when it comes to winter camping which it's one thing they're not used to it in the winter time because i think in manitoba it's kind of a newer thing coming along and growing is this this kind of like sport or whatever you want to call it called winter camping so what i did is i actually talked to north norfolk and um they were more than happy to have us and they actually came and, and came and seen us on the saturday which was really nice we got to have a chat with them and talk to them about kind of um like what they want to do with the campground and how they want to improve it and get more people there um, and all that stuff so it was a it was actually a really good day so we set up our tent and i'll just kind of give you a quick review i guess on the tent we set it up within you know probably 20 to 20 to 30 minutes that being said josh and i've never set it up before and we didn't read instructions or anything so we kind of had some um, issues with the pegs we used the wrong ones in certain er- or wrong ones and we had to kind of switch them out Um, So once we have the tent set up, yeah, like I said, 20 to 30 minutes, we got the stove set up probably in like 10 minutes and we had that stove going, uh, you know, burning nice and hot within 15 minutes or 20 minutes, right? So all in all, in about an hour's time or or less, we had that tent set up, a stove in place and a fire going in the stove. That brings up my first thing that I think is really great about this tent. And if you think about it in a survival situation, I mean, you can have shelter within an hour and a fire, which I think is unbelievable. Um, the tent itself is made out of canvas, um, obviously, but it's called a cotton canvas and it's, it's actually pretty thick. It's, it was windy that day. We didn't really feel any wind come through the tent. Um, it's heavy. That's probably the only downside to it. And we also cooked in it and it has four vents at the very top of the, of the tent and it vented really well. So all in all, it, it, like it's very breathable tent it's very warm um and it's it's not like technically insulated but it is that cotton canvas so it is a little bit thicker um and when it comes down to the stove quick review on the stove is the g stove xl like we said earlier um it's bit it's basically built perfect it might be a little small for this tent and chase and i have been talking about maybe getting a fan for it or a couple different fans one blowing heat down from the top and one like a radiant fan or whatever they call it where you put right on top of the stove um so those are two things that we're gonna do. But this stove is, is built perfectly. It's uh um it's an airtight stove. It's got an awesome damp dampering system or damper. Um the bottom damper part, is it called damper like the bottom part?
0: Uh I don't know. The front dampener. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's called the call it a damper. Languages on know. that. Yeah. It,
1: yeah, but like that it's it's kinda cool how they have that set up because the slots they have with the let's just say the knob that turns the damper are all different sizes. So it actually has like probably like 60 settings. So you can have like, you know what I mean? Like different sets of airflows coming through the bottom. Um, and yeah, it's got two fold out little grate things from either on either side of the stove that you can, you know, fold them out and hang up socks or mitts or whatever and let them dry. And you can also fold them right back on top if you want to cook on it. And the thing is, I think nice and hot and hot enough that we cooked uh, two meals on it um i never had a problem so all in all i think it was a great first outing just to get the tent up in the air and get the stove going and a fire going in it and the last thing i am going to say and this is another little tip or trick for you winter campers out there is that if you are going to run a g stove they come with a pipe with a rain cap which i'm assuming they call it a rain cap but it's basically a cap on your last piece of pipe in the air well, when I got that stove, like, given her, when it, like, it turned to minus 27, 28 that night, and I was, like, pumping wood in that stove, and she was hot, and it was nice, you know, but when I went outside, and I took a look at the pipe, I noticed that there was sparks coming out and rolling down the side of the tent, and I, at the time, I couldn't figure out, I'm like, why are they do, why is why are sparks doing this? And I'm like, well, maybe I need to get a spark arrestor for this thing, or like, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, all that was happening is those sparks were coming up and hitting the top of that, or I guess the bottom side of that that uh, like rain cap, and all the sparks were just coming and rolling down the tent. Luckily enough, we only got three holes in the tent. We didn't burn it down, but we know for next time that we're probably going to take that top off or and or buy a spark arrestor for it. So something to uh, put into your arsenal when you're thinking about maybe doing some camping
0: great tips man and uh sounded like a great time uh one thing i want to say too is that g stove is a lifetime warranty stove too so that's something that was super attractive on the purchase of that that thing
1: yeah and that's the other thing too like we kind of are you know pumping its tires this g stove we like this is not a sponsor like ad or nothing like this thing is actually really cool and i'm really really impressed it kind of blew my mind that it was built that good you know and only that, all the pipes fit inside of it. When you're done with it, it's super easy to clean up. All the pipes fit inside. Throw it in the back of your pickup or the back of your sleigh or whatever, and, and see you later. But
0: yeah, good design. Um, super, super simple. Nice and compact. Uh, Sheldon, you talked a little bit about you know cooking on the G stove and and uh, stoking the fire. I got a few questions for you here. And uh, ooh, hot stove, hot stove. Yeah, yeah, we got the hot burning questions here for you. Um, when you're camping, what do you prefer? Tea or coffee? Coffee. Yeah? All the time?
1: Hundred percent. I'm not a big tea guy. I've maybe drank in six glasses in my life. No. When way. I'm not
0: sick. Interesting. Interesting. See, I, I know some people who go kinda either way or uh, or only drink like tea when they're in the bush too. So um Right. Yeah. Good answer. Uh for breakfast are you going to be like a bacon and eggs kind of guy or are you going to be oatmeal? Yeah.
1: Like situationally, if I'm going to go camping and relax, I'm going to be having some good food. So like some good bacon and eggs. Absolutely. Um, but I mean like when we go elk hunting, there's a lot of mornings there we'll mix a quick coffee and you know, maybe pour some hot water in a bag of that quick oatmeal stuff. And you know, on the way we go to go elk hunting in the morning. So, Yeah, it depends. If I'm camping for pleasure or to relax, it's going to be a great meal. But if I'm, if I'm camping for deer hunting and stuff, that being said too, you know, that's a good question because when we go to some camps, we might not even eat when we take off first thing in the morning and then come back and make an awesome breakfast at like noon. Yeah. So is that really lunch or breakfast?
0: Who knows? Yeah. Fair enough. And what's your favorite type of wood to burn in in a camp and why? Oh man, it's got to be pine. It's got to be
1: like some sort of pine spruce or something like basically any tree you can find in northern manitoba there's something about that smell it brings brings back so many good memories Um, it's
0: it's almost like uh i would have the exact same answer and it's almost like uh some sort of subliminal just relaxation thing for me that every time you smell it it just brings you somewhere and it's almost like i can feel my blood pressure dropping instantly just because of the scent of that that wood smoke, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: But yeah, it's got to be. What about you? What about uh, coffee, tea, and
0: your breakfast? I'm going to go 50-50 on the coffee and tea because uh, I love coffee, but I also like a good tea, especially in the bush. A little tea, black tea and honey. That's where it's at, man. And uh, breakfast, same thing. If, if I'm camping... Um, I'm usually going to be planning some pretty nice meals and either bacon and eggs or like steak and eggs or whatever, you know, something nice and hearty. And I want to really enjoy my experience out there to the fullest. Um, and yeah, for the the wood situation is going to be some sort of conifer for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's sweet, man. Um, I'm looking forward to a few more adventures in that tent this winter and then just, all throughout the summer and hunt camps and all kinds of stuff that, that you could probably fit four guys into that thing comfortably. Oh man. Say, Oh,
1: honestly, I would, I would say it depends obviously on the season, but I would say you could fit six cots in there. If you had to just have that in the middle of the summer and just, just for a sleeping like quarter, easily six cots in there.
0: Yeah. Get a couple double uh, blow up mattresses toss them in there yeah <laughs> it's the bounce <laughs> house for the kids is that what yeah. you're going for or what? yeah oh man the,
1: but the thing is about that tent and i'm i'm talking about it because I, I freaking love it i've wanted to get one of these for years now and it finally all came together together this winter and, and i'm so pumped to be using it. but the thing that i like about this tent is that i did mention that it is super heavy and what would you say it weighs like 80 pounds
0: yeah, when it's when it's wet like that, probably eighty pounds. But it's definitely not that heavy. Like when we first got it, it wasn't that heavy.
1: Right. Okay. So, so first, so the so the three big things that I like about it is number one, it like virtually has no poles. It has a center pole and then like a little A-frame for the uh, for the awning. So right there it takes away weight and it takes away you know what I mean. You're, you're not packing in that weight. You're not packing in that room, no matter like what you're doing. The other thing that I really liked about it is that you can unzip the floor, so you could like shed all that weight and basically just set up your tent like skeleton without a floor, which a lot of people do, by the way. Maybe not in Manitoba, but uh, and maybe they do, but I know a lot of uh, YouTube videos and stuff. People don't even use the floors in a lot of their tents, and um, yeah, and and they're they're comfortable that way. So you could lose a lot of weight just by unzipping that floor. And the other thing that I really like about it is is the way it vented like we like i said we cooked in it and it vented so good like it had no smell in it within the hour um so it's it's yeah. It's, I'm i i do not know i'm really really liking it so far
0: that's awesome really awesome and uh what else you've been up to since since winter camping just uh any fishing at all
1: actually no i haven't fished for for quite a while yeah, I don't even know when the last time I was fishing. To be honest, well, you we're, have we're you been we're fishing.
0: Fix that up. I went out uh, today with the boys just, ice just to ice just get out of the house. Everyone was getting a little bit rangy today, so it's a quick, quick getaway for us. Uh, we cut some. Uh, Tristan, and I cut some fresh wood there, and uh, she was burning pretty good, so it was nice. Cooked up a few hot dogs for the boys on top of the stove, and yeah, everyone was happy. And then we always do the big river run. At the end of the the fishing tour, we didn't catch any fish, but the boys always enjoy going out there, and then we get to drive down the river, which they love doing. So,
1: oh yeah, nice just looking out the windows, eh?
0: Yeah, they 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 pay attention for like half of it, and then they find some toys, and then they muck around in the truck, and so that's a good time, all in all. Um, right on. Yeah, that's about it on the outdoors front. Um, I am in search of a. A cot right now for the tent and uh, that's one thing I don't have and I'd like to get kind of like a breakdown cot like you have and uh, so one thing I want to talk about here is a thrifty idea that's been brought forward uh, to me um, this pretty much this year and it's it's worked out for me thus far and well almost worked out for me today on this cot actually too so um we bought a bunch of camera gear and in this search of the camera gear um i told the the guy that i bought the camera off was like oh i was looking for this lens da da da, da, da. and he kind of said well you know what you should do i said what he said put an ad up on uh kijiji or whatever in search of this item here's my what i can pay for it and, uh, see what you got. So not even a day later, guy messaged me. Hey, you got that lens. Yeah, come check it out. So I end up getting the lens plus a bunch of other camera gear that the guy gave me for free on top of that, which I paid for, um, at like everything was like half price at the end of it from brand new, which is a wicked deal. Camera gear doesn't really depreciate that much. So, um, it was a pretty good deal. Um, now I just put up an ad for a, uh, a cot on one of the local forums. And like not even an hour later, some dude messaged me saying, hey, give me a text, I think I got a card for you. So I text messaged him and uh, it didn't work out. He said his buddy had one for sale, but he had already sold it. So that didn't work, but man, it's, it's cool. It's almost like instant response for this for this stuff. And like people got stuff they want to get rid of that's just uh, collecting dust on on the shelf somewhere. So my tip is if you're looking for something, Put put an ISO ad up and uh, you might just find what you're looking for at a good price.
1: That's actually a pretty good idea because there's a lot of people, me included, it's just like don't – I'm not going to say I don't have the time. It's like I don't have the time and I'm too lazy to put up something and make fucking 20 bucks on. You know what I mean? Because I might need it next year. But if someone was like, hey, man, like I need a whatever – whatever i have laying around i need this and i see it i'll be like oh fuck i got one I'll, I'll sell it to you you know yeah i'll get rid of it yeah but there's no way i'm gonna post about it i don't know <laughs> but... i know so the thing is well, i posting... thought you were gonna get i thought you were gonna get one of those cots with all the springs in it like the ones that you get at the hotels
0: oh man that's what we sleep on on deer Camp, and they are they're great you throw a little foamy on there <laughs> living in luxury buddy
1: aren't they loud though
0: i don't know i've never found them loud because you're
1: always passed out snoring.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I see. Anyways, let's get on to this here episode with uh, Jenny Anderson. Uh, Before
1: we start this, Chase, can I just say a few things? Absolutely. Okay, so we rec- we kind of pre-record our, our episodes, so we'll like, record them. If you haven't noticed or if you're a new listener, we kind of record them like the week in advance. Or a little bit longer if we have the chance to get a certain person on. But anyways, we had Jenny on about a week ago, and later on, or as you'll tell in this in this episode, she is she she's like an author of this of this book, etc. So we were changing exchanging some addresses because we we're gonna send her some gear, and me and her started talking kind of a little bit more in depth about an issue that we talked about in the podcast episode, basically about like the adversity she's went through as a woman being Asian. And being out on the ice in the outdoors world and how it's, she just, you know, she has to deal with a lot of, let's say, say road bumps. And she basically brought it to my attention. She goes, well, she's like, do, do you mind if I show you some stuff that I that I kind of have to deal with? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, show me. So I'm just going to kind of describe this for, for anybody that's listening. Um, she's a beautiful woman. She's a mother. She's a wife. Um, and she's also Asian, which is like. Really shitty that you even have to like bring that up in 2021, but for this I have to. Um, so she's got this picture of her. She's ice fishing and she's got a trout in one hand and a fishing rod in the other. Um, she's all like done up in her in her fishing gear, and she's got her bibs unzipped because she's pregnant, and she's like trying to show, in my mind and probably in her mind, everyone else's, trying to show young women and mothers and whoever that you can still get out there, even though it might be a little uncomfortable. You know, no one's going to judge you kind of thing or whatever it may be. So, so this is the picture, right? And then she decided to send me the f- five screen. There's five screenshots she sent me, um, with people that commented on this picture. Now, if you are listening with your kids, I would tell you to either tell your kids, to put their earmuffs on or shut this podcast off and turn it back home. When you're not with your kids. Cause I'm going to read a couple of these and they're, they're absolutely disgusting. And I'm just gonna read a couple that are like not as bad as the other ones, although they're all bad in my mind, but the first comment was, "Where's the porn hub link?" Another one said, "Oh, taste like cat." and another one said, "Me love you long time, five dollars sucky, sucky and it goes on for five screenshots, and she told me that this is half of the people that are this is like half of what was commented, and the thing is is like... I'm just like getting pretty pretty wound up here. I can like barely breathe. I'm so mad. But the thing is, is like it's it's twenty twenty one and for people for men to like it's not even men, they're not even men, they're pieces of shit that are writing these things and I looked some of them up and they have daughters, they have wives, you know, they've and they're treating another person like that is just freaking disgusting and we go through this all over the place like we've had things in our own forums in manitoba where you know girls get kind of mistreated at uh, sports stores or whatever it may be like this shit has got to stop and like for me personally i want to talk about this because there honestly there's not much i can do other than talk about it and get it out there where you know maybe make some of these dickheads think about think twice about what they're putting on the internet. Or what they're saying out loud to somebody individually, I think it's absolutely pathetic, and I'm sorry that I'm kind of ranting, but I'm really pissed off that that there's actually people that do this. There's this is 2021, you know, kind of thing, and this is the exact reason why there's so many goddamn divides in this world and in this country, like it, or in the continent, whatever you want to say. Like this, it's stupid. Um, the whole point of me even joining Panoramic when we far, first started this this company was to get people outside and it's just like it boggles my mind that there's still people out there that are detouring people from expressing what they like to do outside no matter who they are what they are or whatever it may be and there's still people that want to comment and shoot people down i just it just absolutely disgust me but that's my rant and uh if you don't like it you don't have to listen to us
0: i uh i support that rant 100 percent buddy and uh agree with you it's disgusting jenny is a a great uh advocate a great um mentor a great model for all kinds of outdoors men and women in uh you know it's 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 a terrible thing that uh that she has to deal with all that kind of stuff and it's not just her dealing with it either there's all kinds of other stuff going on out there like you said so anyways we hope you enjoy this episode Take something away from it, spread the word, stop the hate. And uh, thanks for listening in, folks. Here's Jenny Anderson, girl of 10,000 Lakes.
1: So, tonight we have a great guest. We've got, you might have seen her on Instagram, girl of 10,000 Lakes, Jenny Anderson. Welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast.
2: It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. (laughs)
1: And whereabouts are you uh, are you today? Whereabouts do you guys uh, reside?
2: So I'm in Minnesota, right in the Twin Cities. Um, far from Manitoba, but uh, I, I hear it's a driving distance, and it's possible to get there <laughs> in a day. So <laughs> I'd like to head up there sometime.
0: We I've uh, I've been down your way for a uh, a couple Blue Jays and Twins games, and a couple couple concerts that uh, have some bigger names that don't make their way up to to Winnipeg too often. So um, I'm familiar, a little bit familiar with that area. All right,
1: cool. Well, right on, let's jump right into the five burning questions. Uh, we do this with all the guests it's just to kind of get the episode flowing. Um, so you can answer them short form, long form or, or whatever you feel fit. But the first question is if you had one last concert to go to, who would it be?
2: Oh, and that man. could be like
1: living or dead, any, any group, whatever you want. One,
2: like one last concert before I die.
1: yeah like the the last one
2: yeah (laughs) kind of morbid but okay um oh gosh i feel like okay i love like the roaring 20s i think people are always surprised to see like an outdoorsy person loving the the 20s era but like the rat pack sinatra um sammy davis jr like those people i would love to see live (laughs) obviously impossible but that'd
1: be pretty cool yeah for sure that'd be awesome it's like pure music back then yep
2: um
1: if you had this is like you have all the money in the world and you could only buy one piece of uh like your dream piece of fishing equipment it could be anything what would you uh what would you be buying
2: uh okay so i have a, a fish house right now called the little hot dish it's a vintage camper that was converted into a drop-down camper fish house uh, it's on its last leg. It's it's gonna die this year, probably. <laughs> It'll be the last year for it. So I would want a brand new vintage styled, so uh, not actually vintage but most vintage, uh, fish house, um, bigger enough for my family, has all the modern amenities, is a hydraulic drop down, so I don't have to crank it down manually, um, with all the fish holes and comfort- a big California king size bed if possible. <laughs> <laughs> so I can sleep out in comfort on the ice. That would be awesome.
1: That's super cool. That's they, um Those ice houses. There's lots down south, right? Like in where we fish, you'll see you know a few of them, but down there, that's a pretty hot commodity, is to get an ice house. Is it not?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Like it seems like um, this year, ice castles. You know the big uh, trailers that are really luxurious rice fishing are are sold out um people are really busy selling those and the ice is just covered it's like a small city everywhere you go
0: that's cool i got i got a couple questions before we get to the next question about the uh the hot dish here yeah um now i read your blog post that you did on it and and uh the restoration that you did which is very cool and very ambitious because i have Mm -hmm. uh I've purchased a few campers in my day with intentions of doing a restoration on them, but uh, bailed out just because uh, it's lots of work, for starters. And uh, <laughs> so I commend you on that. What? Uh, how many years have you guys been, been running that sucker for uh, since you restored it?
2: I think this is the fourth year. Um, so, it, I mean, it, it came... Pretty beat up. It looked like a meth cooker, as many people would say. (laughs) Just shabby, not chic at all. Um, And, yeah, it it had ants, termites inside of it. Just the wood was rotten. The worst case scenario possible when you, like, start tearing apart the walls and (laughs) all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I I can't blame you for uh, giving up so easily (laughs) because it is a crazy project to tackle on um for us we were just like rushing because ice ice fishing season was like just a couple months away and we just wanted to have like some sort of uh that's the whole reason we bought it was to go ice fishing so we figured just uh, time is of the essence let's just put in the hours after work every day and we were able to get it done in about a month so
0: that's cool um yeah was was that uh was that thing originally um like built to be an ice house or was it was a fellow who had it before you kind of customize it to have the the drop down uh. yeah
2: so the guy before us had uh converted it from a vintage camper just on wheels to a uh like a trailer that drops down so he somehow took the entire camper placed it on top of the uh, drop-down frame um, created holes to go along with the, the trailer and um, he did the hard work for us so that was very helpful I think that's the biggest question I get is how did you convert it and it's like oh I don't yeah. know cuz the guy before me did it <laughs> that's
0: cool that's cool you guys certainly did uh, a, a nice job on that and put some interesting uh, like finishing touches on it it's very cool uh, any plans for the hot dish after it's possible retirement here? Is it uh, going to stick around for a memoir? Or is it uh, going to fund some other fishing adventure?
2: It, sink it in a lake somewhere? <laughs> no. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so, you know, a lot of people have asked if we'd ever sell it. And I feel like it's just, like, such an iconic part about, like, our ice fishing experience that I couldn't just sell it. I think we might um, – so my parents just got some land – on Mille Lacs Lake here in Minnesota and so they have some land there and they're right on this awesome walleye lake so uh we might store it there just for like camping purposes on their land and like maybe if the hot dish is peeling up for it we take it out once in a while but I'm pretty sure there's just like walls falling off and just, it's, it's bad <laughs> <laughs> but it'll, it'll last a couple more months I think and we'll see from there
0: cool Cool. We're going to hold,
2: hold on to it for now on.
0: Nice. All right, Sheldon. Sorry to cut you off there, buddy. No, that's all good. <laughs>
1: um, you have a vacation spot. Either one you've been to before you'd like to return to or a new spot you'd like to check out. Where would that be?
2: Uh, so one place that my husband and I have been talking about going to is South Korea. It's where I was born. Um I've been wanting to go back for a long time. I haven't gone since probably like junior high. So yeah, that'd be one place and mainly for the food. It's amazing. Like I am a food connoisseur and they have amazing food and you can eat, eat everything and somehow you'll come back uh, losing weight because the food is so healthy. Um, It's amazing. And then in the winter, apparently there's like a huge ice fishing festival there and I'd love to check that out sometime
1: oh that's super cool yeah that would be cool i might need to go because i need to lose a few pounds and i love eating so
2: <laughs> perfect so, hey
0: I, i'll tell you what so i was checking out ahead, the so. the map on our uh, our podcast reached today and we had uh, a listen in south korea today so Whoa. there's our lead
2: wow <laughs> international global podcast
0: that's amazing <laughs> yeah no big deal <laughs>
1: Speaking of food, if you did have one uh, last meal or your favorite meal, what would you have, and uh, what would you wash it down with?
2: Ooh. Okay. Um, oh. Okay. I would say. Gosh, it's so hard. It's such an important meal. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, people are gonna. Some people are gonna hate me for this. And some people will love it. But um, have you ever had chipotle burrito?
1: I don't think I have.
2: Oh. Okay. Yeah. I gotta. I gotta mail you some somehow. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so good. It's just like this massive burrito from um this like chain called Chipotle. And they're like super common around here. And it's nothing special, but gosh, their burritos are amazing. It's the pico de gallo that just chops it off for me. So I would probably do that with a just a margarita on the rocks.
1: Nice. And my last question for the five burning questions, and I think it'd be easy, but what is your favorite season?
2: Ooh. Okay, winter um, is my favorite season um, for the main reason of ice fishing. I think some people, you know, say it's cold and whatever and summer is great because you can, you know, relax and go to the cabin and all that. But I love winter cabin trips and I love winter activities, skiing, um, ice fishing. I love how the trees look when they're snow covered. Just the beauty of winter is my favorite part of the year.
1: Yeah, and I think that goes with a lot of us here at TNF we actually just uh which we'll get to later maybe about winter camping. We just purchased a a tent and a stove and we're going to start doing that and oh, clearly nice. we do the ice fishing and stuff too. So winter is a very favorite uh season of ours too. But to get this episode rolling, I kind of like just I'd like to ask you like how how did it all start for you getting into the outdoors? Like were were you always in in the same area that you're at now and and how did that evolve over over time?
2: Yeah, so I I didn't really grow up with um, anyone to teach me about the outdoors. Obviously, I've been outside, but (laughs) I haven't haven't really gone and done the fishing and the camping and the hunting and all that stuff that's related to the outdoors. Um, Like I said, I'm from South Korea. My parents and I came here when I was three. We lived a pretty normal life, just trying to fit in, learning English, you know, trying to blend in as much as possible, and the outdoors just wasn't something that was on our radar. Um, We did do some like car camping trips and state park trips here in Minnesota, which is where I basically grew up. But other than that, nothing really. Uh, Fast forward to college, Um, I studied journalism, and then I got a job straight out of college as a news reporter for a TV station in Western Wisconsin. Uh, which has a big outdoor community uh, hunting and fishing and boating and all those things are such a big thing there. So I was on the outdoor beat and I covered a lot of, you know, hunter safety stories, uh, ice fishing stories, deer hunting related stories. So that was sort of my taste into, you know, what the outdoors is about. And I met my now husband uh, while working there and He was, uh, just figuring out ice fishing himself and was going to buy his first auger and, um, his first like ice fishing gear. So I went with him and (laughs) we went together and I caught this like massive walleye on this lake where nobody usually catches anything. And I was hooked after that. It was on a tip up. It was this like beautiful 28 inch walleye, uh, pretty exciting for our first fish on the ice. Um. Yeah, after that I was like totally hooked, and it kind of kicked off the rest of my experience with, you know, camping and um, trolling for fish and uh, all the other, you know, fun outdoor things.
0: That's awesome. Uh, how long ago was that, Jenny? When you were uh, when you got that journalism job, or the uh, <laughs> not the journalism but the uh, the reporting.
2: So that was in 2010. So that's like 10. A little over ten years
0: ago. Cool. You ever uh, you ever bump shoulders with uh, Doug Dern down there in Wisconsin?
2: Uh, No, but I've heard his name a lot, um, but I haven't. No.
0: Cool.
1: Yeah, we just had him. He was our last guest in our. um, We I think it just dropped today, actually. So. Yeah, so so I guess, yeah, so you got into the outdoors um, with you and your now husband and started kind of obviously probably sharing gear and working together to get onto the lakes and stuff. Did you ever come across like, you know, some roadblocks or adversity and stuff like that when it comes to, you know, being a female and what I would assume, you know, 10 years ago or whatever it may be, a a male-dominated industry? And um, yeah, was there any, you know, hiccups going or getting to say today?
2: Yeah, I think um, I think at the time it wasn't that obvious, but you know, looking back on it, just simple things like walking into a bait shop and asking for bait, people would look at me like, "What is she doing here?" And I don't know if that's because I'm female or because I'm obviously uh, Korean or like Asian, you know, people. It's not the normal person you might see in a bait shop. So I think just. The interactions that I had of people, um, just not treating me like how they would treat my husband or like any other dude out there who walks into the bait shop, that kind of thing. I mean, it didn't really bother me that much, but just looking back on it, it's just little things like that. I've noticed, um, uh, I'm trying to think what else I think just being out on the ice as well. You know, usually people are pretty, um pretty kind and like we'll be on the ice together my husband and I and people are always welcoming and they come over and want to talk with us and um the community of ice anglers are awesome but I think like the few times I've gone by myself it's been you know not as not as welcoming maybe like people wonder if they know if I know what I'm doing um I've had a lot of people ask if I need help and I, I'm not the one to ever, like, be mean about it and be like, I know what I'm doing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I always, like, welcome any, you know, advice people want to give me and take it with a grain of salt, but I think there seems to be some sort of, uh, I don't know, like, a draw to me to give me advice on fishing, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. It I don't take it as, like, I don't want people to feel like they can't come and talk to me and that I'm going to reject their, um, I guess some people call it mansplaining or whatever, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, little things like that. I'm sure. Have you experienced that where people (laughs) try to come up to you and give you advice on every little thing about fishing? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Like I, that's the thing. And, um, I haven't really, and, and, you know, there's been a lot of situations where I've gone fishing to, you know, To say a trout lake, I've never trout fished before, and you know maybe people just like assume that I have, and I I would love to have that help, you know what I mean? But (laughs) yeah, um, but yeah, that's got to get super annoying, and um, like you said, the mansplaining and stuff like that is probably could probably drive someone up the wall. But where has that gone from, like let's say day one to day whatever you're on now, ten thousand blah 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 days? (laughs) You've been fishing and doing this for for quite a while now. Do you see that there's been a change or a shift in that direction? Uh, from from people just like doing that i guess as simple as that is
2: i i don't know i think it's it's slowly changing i mean just marketing wise in general like the fishing world and the outdoor world i think art it's definitely more uh represented by women these days and women of color too which is uh which wasn't the case 10 years ago or whenever and i think that's definitely changed a ton um but like the little things, like the, the man's planning, it's fine. And I love that people um, feel confident enough to feel like an expert to talk on topics like fishing and um, feel comfortable enough to come up to me even in the midst of COVID, <laughs> you know, to come up to me and talk to me about it. So um, I don't know. I think that is just something that will probably continue to happen. And I don't, like, take offense to it necessarily. It's just probably something that most men don't deal with.
0: I'm, I'm curious here, Jenny, do, do you ever, like, find yourself in one of those moments and just, like, slip in, uh, like, some some fun facts or, like, just some really deep knowledge that some dude might not know and just, like, stump them completely just to kind of give a, give a <laughs> bit of a flex?
2: Yeah, I think... I'll talk about like um, what like one example is. I think some guys are talking about trout fishing, and I mentioned like oh like this this I caught in the boundary waters, and they were like, oh, "You were in the boundary waters? How do you how do you fish up there?" And it's like, "Oh, you know, I have um have a canoe, and I I, I paddle and troll manually because they don't allow motors up there." And um, they asked me what sort of uh, bait I use and what rig setup and you know, so I explain all this, and they're like, "Oh, wow!" Like, you know, they're just surprised that I I know how to do that. But <laughs> I don't know. It's it's I never talk about fishing like in a way to sound <laughs> snooty or like I know more than they do. I just share my knowledge just to sh- share what I know.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, it's funny, um, not funny, but it, it's uh, interesting to to like hear some of your some of your experiences and and kind of some of the stuff that you've you've encountered over the years through the industry um, we have obviously a big fishing community up here in Manitoba too and we have the Facebook forums and and all that and and it's it's evident that like lots of this crap is still kind of happening where you go into like a sports shop and and like um, some of the retail people act like you know you might not know anything not you in particular Mm -hmm. but uh, like we there's there's been like females that have uh like said this and i i think it's just crazy to be honest with you like there's so many female outdoors people that are like crushing it out there and it's it's weird to me to think that that you can be that prejudice we'll say and just to think that you know they don't know what they're talking about
2: Mm -hmm. yeah and just one thing that what you're saying reminded me of is um like i'm in some like facebook groups too uh where they it's like ice fishing related or whatever fishing topic related and i'll see guys posting like bikini shots of women holding fish and like just like a little bit more like crude uh images of fish puns um that kind of thing and it's like they maybe they just don't realize that in this group this forum there are women and moms and um young young women that are there to learn about fishing and they're just you know kind of making it feel not as welcoming and kind of like an environment that it's a a a, a boys club I guess so there's like things like that I've noticed as well on social media
1: yeah for sure and I will say one thing too is like for me, like, in a personal level, like, my uh, my mother would come out ice fishing and fishing with us all the time, and I never really questioned it until, you know, growing up and, you know, just seeing some of the, like, in better words, just the bullshit that happens with people's stories and, and stuff like going to, like Chase said, going to the sports sports store and can't even get advice on ammo because they don't think they shoot a gun or whatever it may be.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's just,
1: like, and, I, and for me, I just think, like, yeah, I understand, like, the con like not the conversation then, but like, let's say the conversation between us three right now could like almost become uncomfortable. Cause we don't want to say the wrong thing, but I think it's okay to talk about and just like create that awareness that a, yeah, there's a lot of women in the outdoors that we might not see in our little, you know, bubbles wherever we're fishing or hunting, but like also be like, like, just like you said, there's so many um like wives and mothers and older people, but so many young people that are looking up to these females and wanting to do exactly what they do. And then if, you know, these, these things keep happening, like why would anybody want to even get into that world? You know, mm-hmm. um, it's just, it just brings everything down and it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy thing. So now that, um, you know, you're, you're kind of a, I think you're a very established, uh, social media, uh, woman in the, in the industry or in, in fishing and, and the outdoors, especially, do you find it, um, reward or not rewarding but did you did you find it kind of like uh, um I'm trying to think of the word but kind of like a mission to help out other women or get other people outside when it comes to just the, just the females in general
2: yeah I mean it's pretty much why I got into what I'm doing now I, I mean so just you know I had the journalism background and I got into the social media thing um like maybe five years ago now um and I just needed a creative outlet to do what I used to do in journalism, um, but on social media. And we are already doing all these amazing outdoor things. And uh, I took it as an opportunity to use this platform to reach women, um, kids, families who want to experience the outdoors for the first time and encourage them to do that. Because I, like I said, didn't come from a background of, being outdoorsy i didn't have a dad or a mom who took me on these awesome fishing or camping trips so yeah that was my goal was to just inspire people through images and words to get out there and just try something new
1: yeah that's super cool and good for you for doing that because that was one thing when we started panoramic in well 2018 one of our biggest like platforms or let's say building blocks to the to the podcast and everything else is that we just had so many friends, no matter like where, where they were in, in their kind of lives. But it was like the, you know, 20 to 30 year olds that were getting back either back into it or just wanted to get into it where they didn't have like the parents, the uncles and aunties or whatever to kind of get them to the outdoors. Okay. So now they're looking for, you know, like a prime example. Um, you know, I had a couple buddies that were hockey players throughout their childhood and into their teenagers and into their twenties. And then, kind of hockey ended for them and now they got you know real jobs or real careers kind of in quotations but they you know and then they want to start ice fishing so you know we take them out we drill the holes for them we get them in the shacks or do whatever and then they slowly they progress to you know having their own ice augers and having their own rods and you know now they're ice fishing all the time and now they're taking their kids out ice fishing and it's just like these are the things that you you know their goal orientated is just to get mm-hmm. that person outside right
2: yeah it's amazing you passed it on
1: to generations yeah absolutely but yeah so i guess we can kind of move on from that topic like i i don't know if there's much more to talk about i mean good on you again for for doing what you're doing and and uh you know your instagram and your books and everything else that's that's really great um but you do quite a bit of ice fishing we've kind of already talked about it a few times and what we're kind of wondering uh there's a there's something going on I guess in Manitoba I, th- I think and uh, that panfish fishing through the ice is becoming more and more popular and maybe we can maybe pick your brain about a couple tips and tactics that maybe we can try up here in uh, in Manitoba. Sure. Uh. Yeah. You just want me to jump into it? <laughs> you can jump right
2: into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't that into pan fishing until like. Couple years ago, probably I was more into walleye fishing, trout fishing. Like the bigger the fish, the better was my mindset. And now I'm just like I just want to fish and like have fun. And panfish are so fun, especially when there's just like a school of crappies going by, and every line you drop, ha- you know, they bite it. And um, I guess my technique has just kind of changed through the years. But um, I have several rods. Um, one for panfish um one with the uh, spring bobber um and I've I switch up my lures like every you know if I'm if there's no bite for 10 minutes I'm gonna switch up my lure so um I always have just like my tackle box with me and changing things out and cutting line all the time um but yeah I usually use grubs or um crappy crappy minnows uh, I chop off their heads sometimes and and just use the heads. Um, whatever works, honestly like it depends on the lake and sometimes on that lake uh, one technique will work last week and then the following week it doesn't work for some reason. So using plastics have been super helpful lately, uh, which I I just never ever had luck with plastics but this week I tried. A little white plastic and a red plastic uh they're called like mackies from clam and they worked wonders suddenly and it was just bizarre to me because they never worked before for me so yeah i think just having an assortment of options and then switching it up um and i love it when there's just like crappies uh not at the bottom you know they're just all over the place Uh, that, that can be really exciting um bluegill crappies Uh, even bass northerns those are all kind of in the same area where I fish so I never know what I'm going to get at the end of my panfish rod (laughs) sometimes it's a massive bass and other times it's a tiny little bluegill but yeah Yeah. it's a potpourri
1: when you're uh, looking for these panfish is there from lake to lake does it differ for what kind of like maybe structure or depth you're looking for is there kind of a like a generic looking for certain structure and certain depths yeah
2: I mean I try to Kind of be near the basins um, in, like, the 20 to 24 feet area. And I've had pretty good luck there. Um, but, yeah, it really depends on the lake and uh, the fishing pressure on there. i trying to think. Yeah, I don't know. Does that answer your question? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: for sure.
0: Do you ever use any uh, any flies or anything to try and get the crappies to bite or... Is it mostly I haven't, grubs?
2: but I've, I've heard that works I, I've heard from several people that they've they've tried it and it works so I'll probably give it a try this weekend um, if the fishing is slow
0: nice nice and uh, I'm curious to uh, what kind of uh, like fishing line are you using like what poundage and is there do you have like a go-to for panfish
2: um, I so I usually use six to eight pound tests um this past weekend i tried three pound for the first time and that was very sensitive it was a lot of fun just to see um what kind of fish uh i was able to catch with that but yeah I, usually eight pound just because it's so versatile it can be anything from walleye to bass to trout and panfish
0: nice uh you don't have any uh issues with those, those panfish um picking that eight pound out or nothing.
2: No, not at all. Oh. It, I mean, maybe that's why I, <laughs> That's why it's been slow a few times. <laughs> maybe that's why I should change out. But um, it hasn't been an issue uh, as of the last few weeks.
1: That's cool. And what about time of day? Like, do you have, find a target time during the day? I know up here, like, walleye bite, you know, first thing in the morning, late at night, same with a lot of other species, obviously. But is there a certain time where you, say, like to fish or it's better you find?
2: Yeah, I feel like for panfish, it's been good in the like late mornings and early afternoons. Um, as soon as it's like nighttime, it usually shuts off for me. Uh, but then again, you try a different lake and suddenly it's like a full moon out and you're catching crappies. So you, you never know. It could be the full moon. The fish are kind of acting weird.
1: <laughs> right on. And what about, um, you're, are you taking any of these home and cooking them up? Do you got any good recipes you can share with us?
2: Uh, My go-to is fish tacos. I mean, everyone loves tacos, I feel like. (laughs) But yeah, again, the pico de gallo is like, what makes that fish taco so good? Uh, I usually do beer batter. Um, I recently did a a poll on Instagram to see how people like to cook their fish. And between like cast iron, um, air fryer, and deep fryer, like majority said cast iron, which... I found was interesting. Um, It's always messier, I think. And I I thought people were for sure going to say deep fry because it's contained, you know, it's cleaner. But yeah, cast iron, apparently. I just do it in the pan with some shore lunch. um, Keep it easy. Uh, I also love just like uh, a rice bowl with um, breaded fish. Or sometimes I'll take like trout and marinate it in like a soy glaze. And then... Uh, cook that, put it on top of the rice. Add some soybeans, um, some vegetables, avocado, and yeah, it's like a delicious like Japanese rice bowl.
0: Damn, that sounds good. Um, I, so the beer batter—do you just uh, mix the uh, shore lunch with a bit of beer and just make it like a like a batter mixture, obviously, and fry it like that?
2: Yeah. Cool. Exactly. Yeah. Super We're good. Gonna-
0: We're going to have
1: to do a voiceover when we say short lunch and say catch and cook. (laughs) Uh, Jay Siemens and uh, Josh McFadden's got this new uh, catch and cook out, and it is unreal. So I think they're just waiting for some restocking. And, uh, yeah, if you ever see that around, you're going to have to try it because it's it's lights out. It's like the new best thing.
2: What's it called?
1: It's called catch and cook. Oh,
2: okay. Catch and cook. All right.
1: (laughs) Well, right on. Any more
0: panfish questions there for Jenny there, Chase? Um, I think I am all out of panfish. Oh, I want to know what, what size, uh, what's your biggest, uh, crappie that you ever pulled out of the ice down there?
2: Um, I think 15 inches. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's worthy of being called a slab. People are always heck yeah (laughs) wondering what qualifies a slab, but I feel like, yeah, somewhere after 14 inches is probably a slab. (laughs) Yeah.
0: We have, we have this, uh, some some big concerns up here right now people are concerned about overfishing of the uh the cra- some of the nice uh well-producing crappie lakes around here and um mm-hmm. the the there's no real like slot size on them on these lakes but um, yeah. so they're obviously concerned about them getting overfished and with the with the big like uh craze of panfish fishing up here there that worry is there but um so hopefully people are throwing the big ones back do you uh do you have any uh is that same thing going down going on down there is there Mm -hmm. any concern with the uh the overfishing at all especially this year
2: yeah definitely this year there's so many people on the lakes and it's i think you know like license fishing licenses are an all-time high and for a good reason people want to get outdoors which is great but yeah lots of fishing happening i think generally for me it's If they're big you let them go let them grow let them reproduce um like i feel like nine inch like around there is like a good eating size for me so that that's usually how i gauge whether i keep it or not um i know like like up at red lake this year in minnesota it was just like totally packed um people had not seen this many people in a long time since you know covid started and all that so yeah, they're talking about how there should be stricter fishing regulations and all that stuff. So it's interesting just to listen to what people are saying on the forums about overfishing and what lakes are, you know, really busy right now and why you should avoid those lakes Yeah. for that reason.
0: Do you guys have any issues with like, uh, with access down there or is it like regarding, um, uh, like snowpack and stuff like that? Cause I, I, like the biggest issue we always run into late season is is uh, accessing some of the some of the lakes that normally we can get to by vehicle and stuff like that, and that often will restrict some of the some of the larger crowds and and that uh, access some of the lakes. Um, our crappy lakes are mostly um, like skidoo access, so that's a little different. But um, how are the lakes around there? Are they? Can you? Drive a vehicle on most of them, or how do you get to them
2: usually? Yeah, I mean, by now, most of them are pretty much drivable, but again, like each link is so different. So we do ha- have to probably drill holes um, if we don't see many cars out there. Um, I'm never the first one to be on the ice. You know, I always make sure there's several full size trucks ahead of me uh, before I go out there. Um, but access wise, right now it's great. I'm sure late season it'll turn into snowmobiles again and um, ATVs and all that. Yeah. Uh, we are thinking about getting an ATV because it would make early ice so much easier to not have to drag our sled out for a mile and yeah. <laughs> especially when when I'm pregnant like this. Yeah. No, it's not <laughs> fun.
0: <laughs> what's uh what's I'm curious what's your limit for uh for thickness when you're taking your vehicle out there? What's what's a go for you?
2: Um tw- 12 is 12. my minimum. Yeah. yeah. And I think 10 is generally when they say it's safe but yeah 12 is what what I look for yeah <laughs> to be extra safe
0: yeah we got the uh, 14 on the river right now where our ice fishing shack is and she uh, she cracks pretty good when uh, when another truck rolls by so
2: <laughs> oh I bet yeah I hate when that happens I, I always yell like drive slower
1: <laughs> Just shaking your fist at them
2: yeah
1: <laughs> um kind of keep on the topic of fish before we jump to the next topic i want to talk about but um you know ice fishing with kids or fishing with kids in general um you have a little bit of experience with that do you have any good tips for these uh up-and-coming mothers and fathers trying to get their kids out onto the ice or out into a boat
2: yeah, I think uh, my first bit of advice is to lower your expectations. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's awesome to take your kid out, but fishing isn't going to be what it used to be when it was just you and your significant other or just you. Um, you're not going to be able to fish as much, but you're going to find some joy in taking your little one out and sharing that experience with them for the first time and just showing them the magic of catching fish and and being outdoors um bring tons of entertainment (laughs) because fishing will only keep them occupied for so long and if they're young enough like you don't want to give them hooks and you know any dangerous objects so give them a a toy fishing pole that they can play with um I always bring coloring material uh books that they can read um I I just wrote one called 123 ice fishing which shows like all about ice fishing for kids and so my son can like point to the walleye and then like understand like oh this is a walleye or like this is a crappie so that's pretty cool um, snacks like no kid wants to be hungry and you know most humans are entertained when they're eating so <laughs> same with kids just bring tons of snacks um, yeah I think keep them warm once their toes and fingers get cold you're gonna have to uh, call it an early day and go, go home because they're cold. So make sure you're over-prepared on wearing the right layers, base layers and all that stuff. Um, and if you have a fish house, that's a bonus because it's, it's warm, they can shed the layers if they want to. So yeah, I've learned a few things here and there, but don't let it stop you from doing what you love. Just make sure you include them in, in those activities that you love.
1: I thought, Chase, I thought you'd have a question for sure. Chase has been taking those two young ones there quite a bit. Yeah, I was just
0: going to say, my kids are snack machines when they get out on the ice, and it's it's good, because it usually (laughs) occupies them for a solid half hour.
2: Yeah, and then if you have, like, a a fish camera or whatever, that's, like, basically watching live TV for them. Yeah. That's kind of a fun way to entertain them.
1: Yeah, for sure. And is there anything, like, to be said about, and this is kind of, like, just my own personal thought, too, so... It could be totally wrong, but like maybe a, like even a, let's just say you weren't big into fishing and you wanted to take your kid fishing, like to wait till a certain age, and then not only that, like put them on or put the kid on like onto a, a lake where you might be catching like just fish after fish after fish to keep that entertainment value. Um, I just find like I, I know a couple of my buddies that aren't big into fishing but want to get their kids into fishing. And they kind of asked me that question, like, well, what age should I start taking them out, considering they're not going out themselves every weekend? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. do, you, is there, do you have any uh, suggestions about that?
2: Um, I, I mean, if you have a desire to take them out, take them out, um, no matter what age they are, uh, it helps to have, like, like, if you don't know fishing, to have a guide, obviously. Um, I think there are some uh, great, like, kids fishing programs out there where they, like, They take the parent who doesn't know that much about fishing and the child, and they, like, tailor it to them, to their family, which is pretty cool. Um, But, yeah, I I would say, like, if you have no idea and you have, like, the basic equipment and you want to go out by yourself, just make sure they're at an age where you can focus on on, like the fishing experience like you don't have to worry about them falling in a hole or getting their fingers stuck in a in a lure or whatever um it'd be nice if you can just like focus on like trying to get them on fish instead of their safety and well-being the whole time so yeah maybe like it uh like i don't know each kid is different right (laughs) maybe like five or six. I feel like if I didn't know fishing, that's probably when I would take them out when they're stable and can stand on their own.
1: And yeah, me and especially, I think it's a funny story and I can't really remember all the details to it. It was a few years ago, Chase and I went and did a kid's fish in Winnipeg and I had this one father and daughter come along and he was a basketball player, I believe at the university. And uh, so him and his daughter come along and they both like didn't know anything. So we got the, the little girl in a life jacket. We were close to to the river where it was a little bit fast, you know. her in a life jacket, we showed them how to, like, tie hooks, and, you know, we showed them how to cast. Well, she, like, after a minute, she was, like, kind of just done. And uh, But the father, he just was in love with it. He's, you know, he was <laughs> casting the rod, and he was just having a great time and, you know, asking this question. Like, oh, so where can I get a rod? How much money do I need to get a rod? Like, can you eat these fish? Like, he literally... I don't even think he like he might have been up here like with a with a basketball like what what are they called i can't even think of the scholarship word. yeah scholarship thanks <laughs> but yeah i think he was just up here kind of temporarily and uh and yeah he was just totally having a blast and i was just like after that after that day it was like you know i spent more times collecting rocks with this little girl than i, than I did fishing but you know you <laughs> got that bug into that guy's ear and i think he's going to take his his daughter fishing again so um That's but awesome. there was a yeah, there was a point when he was casting and he was like having a fun, and she just like turned to him and was like, I can't remember what she said now. She's like, "What are you, what are you a cowboy now, or what are you an outdoorsman now, or something?" <laughs> it was pretty fun. It was a good laugh.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, and you're obviously a very good babysitter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People can
2: hire you to go fishing to watch their kid.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right on. And so you kind of already touched on it, but you have a book. You decided, uh, tell us a bit about, okay, just tell us everything about this book. Yeah. How it start, where it's at now.
2: Sure. Yeah. So I, I wrote it about eight, nine months ago when the pandemic first began. Um, I was just like restless and needing a creative outlet. And uh, ice fishing had just come to an end. So I was like, how can I like still talk about ice fishing and teach my son about it? There's no books out there, no children's board books um, that can explain what ice fishing is in detail as I would like. So I wrote it in my iPhone (laughs) in notes, um, made like a cute little rhyme and talked about some of the terminology and the gear that I wanted this book to have. And fast forward um, several months later, I hired my sister and she illustrated this cute little board book called one, two, three ice fishing for me. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's about a mom and her son going out for a day of ice fishing together. It's basically just dreamed up by like my experience with my son. Um, they're packing up the sled. It has like their auger, their heater, the the bait and all the lures that they need, the tip ups. Um, it talks about how much mom loves the frozen lake and, Um, the different kinds of fish, including, like, bass, northern pike, perch, crappies, bluegill, all that stuff. And it's really accurate in how the fish actually look in real life, too. So parents have really touched on that, like, oh, these are, like, actual, real-looking fish. Um, But, yeah, it just teaches kids about how to ice fish, why we go through the trouble of packing up our sled, and the reward at the end when we get to take home... um, fish to make like a fish fry and it's like the last page is a fry pan with fish fry in it and mom and her son enjoying the fish together so it's a really fun way to like make it tangible for kids to understand what ice fishing can be about
0: that's amazing um i'm i'm <laughs> I'm curious here so i I did a bit of research and and uh you're you self published this book correct
2: i did yes
0: that's that's also I cool. Processed. Um, how do how do I get my hands on a copy of that thing?
2: Okay, so um, for for Canada, um, okay, there's a store there called I think it's in Ontario. It's called Ramacos. Does that sound familiar? Ramacos. Am I saying that right? I have
0: no idea. <laughs> have no idea. <laughs>
2: okay, R A M A K K O S. I think, but it's a it's like a sporting goods store in Ontario, I guess, but they're going to start carrying it soon. Um, and I know they do shipping. So that's one way to avoid the massive shipping costs from the U S to Canada. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can order it. Um, I'd be happy to give a promo code to listeners of your podcast to save, save on shipping, save half off on shipping. Um, and send you one, two, three ice fishing at one, two, three ice com. Um, yeah it's really easy to buy online but some of the local stores around here carry it and hopefully i'll have this, this store called ramak ramako i don't know i am I'm <laughs> I feel so bad <laughs> but soon they will be carrying it as well
1: <laughs> that's cool and what kind of like response have you have you found i, I know you said that a few of the parents or whatever have said oh it's cool that there's the actual pictures of the fish but uh is it is the response fairly positive? Like, um, are you looking at maybe doing another one? Is it kind of inspiring you to do more?
2: Yeah. Um, parents are, like, more excited than their kids about it just because it's, like, they wish they had this book growing up or they wish they would have been able to introduce their now-grown child to ice fishing in this way. So the the words I've heard have been very positive. Um, and people are asking, can you do one, two, three hunting? Can you do one, two, three Ah, uh, trolling for fish, like very specific kinds of fishing. Um, and then I, I did start writing one called One, two, three camping and one two three Cabin. So those are maybe on the back burner right now. I'm just gonna see how this book does first and then possibly take those other ones on.
1: right on. That's awesome. Yeah, so for that book, what so for anyone that's listening that might want to maybe order one, what kind of age group are we looking at for that book? is it is it for? Yeah, I don't know. The toddlers are a little bit older.
2: Yeah, I would say like anywhere from toddlers up to age five probably – when you're just just introducing your kids to ice fishing and you want them to learn about the gear, like this book is awesome for that. If you want them to learn about the types of fish out there, this book will do that. Um, But then it also teaches kids about counting. So that's where it kind of ties in with the younger um, like baby-toddler age. So it's been really cool to hear about parents who are buying it early before they even have their kids because they want to give it to their baby someday. (laughs) So yeah, I guess some parents just buy it
0: for themselves and then save it for their kids later on. That's cool. So I noticed on your Instagram page that it is uh, dominated by uh, fishing and ice fishing photos and but scattered throughout there you find the odd uh, hunting photo and um, pretty cool video of you doing some turkey hunting in the woods uh, that I've seen. <laughs> Are, are you new to the hunting scene or is that something that uh, has been evolving throughout your your fishing journey here as well
2: i mean it, it started pretty soon after my fishing journey began I guess um i I didn't get my first year until so uh, last year or two years ago now i think it was last year yeah was when I got my first year I, I had gone several years before that with just no luck so I would consider myself an amateur for sure still. um, And I'm learning as I go and figuring it out. And that's the beauty of the outdoors is, you know, you can do it with hardly any experience and just, just learn as you go. Um, I went turkey hunting for the first time this past year, didn't get a turkey, but saw several. And, um, I was crawling on the ground, you know, tracking them and it it was wild. It was a fun experience and I'll probably do it again this coming year. So yeah, I want to get into it more. Fishing is my forte, just because it's so fun, and and I've actually caught fish. Whereas I haven't gotten a turkey yet, so I'm sure, like once I get my first turkey, I'll be really excited about it too.
0: Yeah, well, well, <laughs> if it's any consolation, um, what are we on, Sheldon? Year two or year three are rolling into year four here. I think we're rolling into year three of turkey hunting, and nice. uh, we haven't we haven't uh, harvested anything the first two years either, so. <laughs>
2: Okay, yeah, it's gosh those those buggers they have like the best ears <laughs> they just know they oh know they're
0: there. yeah, they're super sneaky, super smart birds, so
1: that's cool and it's it's gonna be funny because once you uh, harvest that turkey or that deer, it's gonna be going your handle is gonna go from girl of ten thousand lakes to girl of ten thousand outdoor activities because <laughs> the yeah. other one out the other one I wanted to kind of touch on before we got into our final thoughts and uh, wrap this up was your winter camping. I've noticed on your Instagram you do a bit of winter camping. And like I said earlier in the podcast, we're getting into uh, into winter camping, kind of a tongue twister there. Um, but how did that start for you and, you know, where are you at now? Are you still doing it or are you still trying to get out in the woods in the wintertime?
2: Yeah, I mean – Actually, I'm a total new person to winter camping as well. Last year was my first experience doing like hardcore winter camping with the canvas tents and the stove and, you know, chopping the wood and getting the fire going all night and that sort of thing. But um, it was an amazing experience. It was in the Boundary Waters and thankfully i had um a couple of friends who are super experienced that had most of the gear already so i didn't have to buy a hot tent and and the stove and all that um but yeah it it was unlike any other experience and it happened like the week before like several days before everything shut down in our state and so like we were in the middle of the woods like in the boundary waters on this lake and we came back to like It felt like the world had ended or something like every restaurant everything is closed um work was cancelled everyone was working from home suddenly so that was an interesting time but um i did it mainly to, to do the winter trout fishing you know we went camping pulled all of our gear out uh we actually like forgot our bait and my husband has a backtrack like several miles. He took his cross country skis and went all the way back to the car to grab the bait. So, which I'm glad he did. Cause we caught some trout thankfully after he brought back the bait. But, um, I say you guys are going to have a blast. Ha- have you gone before?
1: No, we have not. And <laughs> this is kind of all kind of the same thing as maybe your, your turkey. And it's kind of trial by error. We We don't know much. I don't think there's, too many people in in Manitoba that do the winter camping thing um, and if there is we just don't know about them but um, yeah it's not just, it's not a very popular thing I don't think up here but yeah we're totally looking forward to it we just got a tent we just got our stove and though um, so I guess the one thing that I have noticed because I've done a lot of uh, watching YouTube videos on it but it seems like it, it's a lot of work like it's a lot of wood to cut it's a lot of uh, I wouldn't say prep work but kind of prep work for the stay so once you get there there's a lot of prep work to stay comfortable Mm -hmm. i guess
2: yeah i mean you're gonna be chopping wood almost the whole time (laughs) (laughs) because you run out real fast um and but you stay warm because you're chopping so much wood it helps to have just like several people there with you so like you're not the only one doing that um and then obviously like there are little things i learned like Boil water at night and put it in your Nalgene bottle, and then stick it in your your sleeping bag to stay warm. Um, Keeps you warm for a little bit, at least. I actually ended up sleeping in like all my gear, like my winter coat and everything, just because like it was that it was like negative ten degrees or something like that. (laughs) Which uh, are you guys Fahrenheit or Celsius?
1: Celsius.
2: (laughs) Okay, so that's in Fahrenheit, I guess. But uh, that was pretty cold. Um, But. It was fun to just be able to catch fish wherever we were camping, and then cook it right on the ice and um, live off the land. I guess, and your entertainment is wood chopping and setting up your gear and staying warm and having some fun drinks <laughs> and, a, and a bonfire. It was great. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. And I, I think there's a big thing for like just human beings in general that we're all wired that there's some sort of like survival instinct that we we get ple- not i don't know if it's pleasure from but like we we kind of crave it in some sense i don't know i'm i know i'm wired like that because like i get bored i get on youtube and start watching these bushcraft dudes that are doing solo trips for like multiple days when it's minus you know 10 or whatever it may be it's crazy but i i just love it i, I really enjoy that that kind of little aspect of uh, survival
2: yeah, I, I'm always like mind boggled by how those people can also shoot video content at the same time as trying to survive. Because I would be just focused on like surviving and I'm sure my ca- my camera batteries would die and it would just be bad. But good for them for sharing their knowledge.
0: <laughs> I want to slip back into the, the, the lake trout fishing here for a second and, and uh, figure out how you guys do it down in boundary waters there. What, what are you uh, running for bait generally? What's, what's the go-to there?
2: Um, usually just, just crappie minnows or frozen shiners. Um, yeah, that that's usually what we carry out. And you try not to carry too much weight, obviously. So live bait is kind of hard, but like frozen shiners do have done well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you just run them on a jig or do you have like a tube jig or how do you set that
2: up? I've done tube jigs and it didn't work that well for me. That's the one that I was like, I hate these plastics, you know, <laughs> but again, like I heard from some people, like you have to take these tube jigs and it just didn't work for me. But, um, red, so just regular jigs, jig heads and, uh, tungsten jig heads. And then I've also used just like a red and white mini deer devil, And that's worked really great too. Huh. Yeah. Between the deer and, um, the jig heads, those oh. have always worked well.
0: Okay. is, uh, is lead outlawed in uh, boundary waters?
2: Oh gosh, <laughs> I can't remember.
0: I'm just I'm just curious because your your comment on the tungsten there.
2: Oh gosh, okay. I I know like we try not to use it because there are so many like loons and stuff up there, but um, I don't know if it's outlawed. I I like tungsten just because it's so darn heavy, and I don't know, it's like readily available around here.
0: Yeah, awesome. Is that
1: all your truck questions for one night?
0: That's pretty
2: Carter much Chase? it. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's. Uh, I think it's been a fairly good talk tonight. I mean, it's been kind of like let's get to know Jenny, the girl of Ten Thousand Lakes, on Instagram again. But do you have any final thoughts before we uh, we take off here, Jenny?
2: Um. No, I mean, I I hope uh, everyone has an awesome ice fishing season and. Um, my days are limited like starting February 10th I will be off the ice officially with a newborn so I'm just trying to fit as much ice fishing in here as possible so uh, I hope everyone else can can fish for me on my behalf and have so much fun and post lots of pictures so I can just relish in your in your joy of fishing
0: <laughs> I'm curious do you have any any uh, any goals or anything to to get out after? um the newborn comes or are you just gonna focus on uh doing parent stuff mostly
2: well i have a toddler right now he's 19 months old 20 months old now so like i i imagine it'll be like way more chaotic than when it was just him and he was a newborn because after he was born i was actually like cabin fever like stir crazy so i we went to the lake to cabin Two weeks after he was born, just because mm. we we had to we had to go fishing. <laughs> but this time like I'm fully prepared to like face the reality of I have a toddler and I have a newborn and I'm getting a C section. So I'll be recovering from that as well. So I'm guessing probably not, but who knows? If someone invites me out and <laughs> I happen to find babysitters, maybe <laughs> maybe I'll go. <laughs> Right for on. my sanity.
0: Yeah, 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 no kidding.
1: Chase, you got anything else to say before we wrap this bad boy up?
0: That's that's pretty much it. Uh, thanks, Jenny, for joining us on the podcast. Um, really enjoy uh, reading through your content and, and looking through your you're a very creative person. Obviously, you have uh, uh, your content creator. And uh, um, some, some cool stuff coming out of your feeds there. And I like your representation in in the outdoor industry and keep on keep on being an inspiration i think
1: yeah so i, I just want to kind of follow up on what what chase said um i think he said it perfectly and kind of uh and everything that i wanted to say too and and yeah just keep doing what you're doing um you know getting people outside in in any way shape or form is i think it is a positive for um for everything outdoors so keep doing what you're doing thanks for coming on to the podcast
2: Thank you for having me on and letting me talk about it and giving me a platform to share my passions with others, and hopefully, some people feel inspired to get out with their kids or, or get out this winter and make the most of what what we have left of the ice season.
0: Jenny, yeah, one sure. one last uh, one last plug here for you before you take off. Where can uh, where can everyone find your content? Where can they find you? And again, where. Are
2: we gonna find your book? Yeah, so the book you can find at one two three icefishingcom And then on all social media, my handle is Girl of Ten Thousand Lakes, and that's the number one zero 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 one zero 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 zero. Girl ten thousand lakes. Awesome. So yeah, it should be pretty easy to find.
0: Awesome. And then from there, for folks that are listening to, you, check out her links in her bio. Uh, there's some great Uh, blog posts in there, and some other content that she's been a part of.
2: Yeah, yeah. you got to check out the winter camping video clip that I made about our our trout fishing and winter camping experience. Maybe uh, it'll inspire you to (laughs) get out to the bondage water sometime and do some winter camping.
1: I'm sure it will. Well, thanks a lot for coming on, Jenny, and
0: uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening to episode 74, folks. Uh, we really appreciate everyone tuning in every week here. We know there's tons of podcasts out there for you guys to listen to, and uh, we are very grateful that you're tuning into ours. So if you continue or want to continue to uh, help us produce great content, make sure you give this episode or any other episode you like a like, share, drop us a comment, and uh, just share it. And... And spread the word here. A um, couple things we want to touch on before we leave: don't forget to check out our store panoramicoutdoors.com. Check out all our gear in the store: sweaters, t-shirts, hats, and uh, we are going to have some brand new buffs coming out in uh, very soon here. And um, if you're looking to support local, uh, local outdoor store that might carry some of our gear whistle into harvester outdoors they got some of our hats and buffs in there too and uh they always got some great deals on on all the best ice fishing gear that you can get
1: man what's our rule about free ads
0: hey it's not a just free ad
1: <laughs> hey i got a question for you before we take off probably no one's listening now because by the time we get to our intro everyone's probably like nah, they're all, they're done
0: you mean our outro. talk about
1: their store and tell tell us to rate and comment but we won't <laughs> because we're a bunch of mugs um my question is for you tonight chase before we go ice fishing in on lake manitoba by the sounds of it, there's a lot more people out there because of say covid and uh, getting outside which i think is great um a lot of people are complaining about it do you think there's any difference between this winter and let's say two winters ago when you compare the amount of uh, americans or people from other provinces coming over to fish or do you think the number is pretty much still the same
0: you know what I I got the uh, inside scoop to to some of the uh some of the numbers that are coming in this year and uh fishing licenses for example in Manitoba are up 13% and I believe I could be wrong on this but I'm pretty sure I'm not <laughs> that uh that that's including like all fishing licenses uh resident and non-resident so obviously there's no non-residents coming up here this year to fish right now borders closed uh so obviously lake winnipeg is a very popular destination for for folks to come up and and fish at uh so i mean hotels are always booked up for the months of like january february march kind of thing and uh obviously there's nobody up here now for that so uh reflecting looking at those numbers obviously there's a lot more residents fishing it's busy. Like, Winnipeg's always been busy. The Red River's super busy. It always has been. But what I see right now, um, obviously, because I'm on the on the rivers and on the lakes a lot more during the week, mainly the Red River, because it's, you know, where I take the boys, there's a lot more people out there during the week, and it's great. People are walking, people are snowmobiling, people are snowshoeing, but there's also a lot of people just out there fishing. Uh, today, I went for. Oh.
1: All those people working from home, eh? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Today I went out there. I was fishing with the boys. Um, obviously, you heard in the intro, and and uh, we went for a ride down the river. And there was uh, probably a solid like third third of the people that you would normally see on the weekend, kind of capacity wise. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So that's that's Crazy. pretty cool to see.
1: That's awesome, man. Um, yeah. The the last thing that I was gonna mention here before we take off. I kind of actually forgot it. I forgot it. But the one thing uh, that people can look out for coming out soon, I don't know if you said it, Chase, but I'll say it again, is that we got a new buff coming out, or a new moose neck. And it's going to be black, and it black going into like a tan color. So it's kind of like for what we think it would be like field hunting, goose hunting, upland game bird hunting, but clearly you can wear it for everything else. So it's going to be black, like transferring to, to tan. And there's going to be the little goose symbols in it to kind of cut it up and look, make it look a little bit more like camouflage. Kind of the same idea as our, our original ones, but it's going to be something to look forward to uh, coming out hopefully in the next week.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to get our hands on that. And uh, and obviously stay uh, keep on checking out our store. we got new stuff, new stock coming in um, all through the spring here. So if there's something in particular you're looking for, it should be in store very soon. Thanks again, folks, for listening keep those lines tight.